0: This is Evermore Poe, The Turbulent Youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 30 The rocks along Richmond's favorite swimming hole were packed during the summer. Half-naked boys lay around on the sunny banks, practicing skimming rocks or trying to outdo one another on the rope swing. Eddie was enjoying the past few days from morning to night, knowing well that his days here were numbered. He would have to keep his promise and begin clerking at Ellison Allen soon. He arrived home from the swimming hole, his bundle of wet clothes under his arm. Entering from the alley, he spied Juliet hanging laundry on the line. He stepped out of her line of sight to watch her secretly for just a moment. The promise to run away to Boston together sounded perfect the night he suggested it. In New England, where black and white congregated in harmony, they could make a go of it. Of this, Eddie was sure. Plus, they had a matching motivation to leave Richmond. From the melancholy of the Allen home to the confines of southern gentility, Eddie knew his joy of life was doomed if he stayed. It had happened to every adult he knew. And if he didn't leave soon, it would happen to him too. A fresh start was the only answer. And knowing him better than anyone, Juliet was the perfect accomplice. She called his bluff. She knew what kind of day he was having before he spoke. And her positive outlook, despite everything, was the best medicine of all. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, Juliet helped Eddie flesh out his disconnected story ideas. His experimental poem about a dream within a dream? He knew he was onto something, and she simply encouraged him to make it better. Of course he wanted to go to Boston with her. He just needed more time. Time to begin making money at Ellis and Allen, and time to be alone with their file cabinet in order to find Juliet's papers. Time to see what Mr. Clark would say about his writing. He needed time to see Ma pull through her despondency. Time to see if Jane's affections towards him were maternal or romantic. He just needed time. Eddie knew it was selfish to stall Juliet for his own gains, at least his intentions were honorable, right? I can see you, Eddie, she sang without looking in his direction. Oh, ah, uh, afternoon, Jules, he responded nervously before proceeding to the open air. They made small talk until Juliet dared to ask a favor. I was thinking about what you said, Eddie. I'm finally ready to dispense of my grandmother's relics in the proper way. Would you be so kind as to escort me to her grave with those atoms I've been keeping? The tone in Juliet's voice was unusual, and Eddie knew exactly what she meant. She was speaking in code, inviting him to a place beyond the pale, the burial ground for Negroes. A half-wry smile crossed Eddie's face. When exactly did you have in mind? I was thinking, tonight? Just before midnight? But how will we get out of the house at that late hour? Oh, yes, that. Well, I'll be serving my favorite rum-soaked cake this evening. Returning a half-smile, she said with all of her Southern charm, and it is highly suggested that you pass on the evening's dessert. Juliet winked, and Edgar smiled. He loved Juliet's artful plan. This is why they were kindred spirits. In his mind, she had redeemed her place as his other half, the perfect partner in crime she was number one. The plan to send the family off to bed in a drunken slumber worked so well that Francis and Nancy excused themselves well before Juliet and Eddie were ready to leave. Juliet waited for him on the porch in the coolness of the night, a large basket by her side, but this was no midnight picnic. Eddie quietly appeared on the back staircase, adjusting his black jacket for the walk to the graveyard. No words were spoken, only nods to acknowledge their readiness. With quiet ease, the two slipped through the rear yard, down Tobacco Alley, and on to Main Street. It was Eddie who finally broke the silence, asking if she had everything. "Yes," she said. "I've been keeping them all together all these years, so I know it's all together." She responded, struggling under the weight of the thing. Eddie's chivalry jumped right in, grabbing the thing from her. "Wow," he commented on the surprisingly heavy weight. She didn't use a lot of chicken feathers in her work now, did she? A chuckle was shared, but nothing more. Not a sound for blocks. They passed a stately brick townhouse with a beautiful front yard surrounded by a wrought-iron fence. Eddie reached between the rods and grabbed a cluster of white moonflowers, luminous in the clear night. They say you should never visit a grave without leaving some token. It's disrespectful, not to mention bad luck. (laughs) We got a basket full of tokens, Eddie, and the folks where we're going haven't had a lot of good luck. (laughs) You have a basket full of tokens, he said, and I don't need that bad luck. Oh, I see how it is. The mighty Eddie Poe, not afraid of nothing till it's going to reach out and get you. She darted at him and delighted in his flinch. Ha! He laughed. Nope, I'm learning to respect your grandmother's craft. Nah, you scared, she muttered with a smile. The two smiling friends walked on. All was quiet in this part of town on a Sunday night. Eddie found it peaceful and beautiful and vowed to spend more time under the stars this summer. They turned on to 16th Street and began to climb the hill for a few blocks until it became eerily quiet. Juliet stopped in her tracks. We're here. The burial ground for Negroes was so plain, Eddie had walked by it many times, mistaking it for an overgrown lot. He had no way of knowing that the servants and slaves of Richmond, nearly half the city's population, were buried right here. It wasn't on any map, and it seemed many wanted to keep it that way. "'This is it?' he asked. "'Yes.' Eddie instantly sensed an air of conjuration, or maybe that was just his imagination. To calm himself, he ruminated on words he had heard from the slaves as a child. A graveyard is a happy place filled with loved ones, tis not a place to fear. Eddie was just beginning to feel at ease when Julia added, Yes, indeed, this burial ground was built at the base of the old gallows hill. Two lonely old oak trees rose high into the night on the crest of the hill. Their hanging branches, blanketed in a moonlight mist, were the ideal height and width to hold a noose. Juliet pulled back the thick brush and walked through. Eddie followed closely behind. It took some getting used to the heavy tree cover, which Eddie imagined must be quite peaceful by day. At night, however, it was hard to see much of anything. Two steps inside the yard, he tripped over a large river rock, seemingly so out of place this far from the James. He looked around. The stones were everywhere, laid out in neat little rows down the yard as makeshift grave markers. Elsewhere, crude wooden crosses poked up throughout the property. There were many more people buried here than he had previously thought. A curious sight came into focus. Next to some of the graves were metal pipes sticking ad hoc out of the ground. Psst. Juliet sounded. Eddie followed the sound to a remote corner of the lot, crouching at her grandmother's grave. She began to dig. Jules, he asked as she dug. What are all these pipes sticking out of the ground? Tis a means to commune with the dead, she replied nonchalantly, as though the combination of words didn't sound strange whatsoever. Bewildered, Eddie asked, Come again? She stopped in her work. They say one can talk to the dead through a flume in the ground. Does it work? (laughs) Why don't you put your ear to the pipe and find out for yourself, Eddie? Even in the dark, Eddie could tell she was smiling, teasing him once again. He stood clutching the little bundle of white flowers. Eddie had always enjoyed visiting his mother's grave at St. John's Church with its park-like setting and beautiful views, but this was not St. John's. He immediately snapped to his knees at the sound of a branch crackling somewhere behind him. It was nothing. Meanwhile, Juliet continued to dig. Let me help you with that, he offered. Much obliged, but I gotta do this pot myself. The soil was soft and pliable, and before long Juliet had dug a hole about the size of the basket. Deeper and deeper she went. With each scoop of dirt she dredged, Eddie shuddered, fearing she would plow into something or someone at any moment. Just as he was about to say something, she stopped. There, that'll do it. Now, Juliet began to take the contents out of the basket. Eddie was repulsed to see that instead of burying the jars in their entirety, Juliet painstakingly opened each and every one, pouring their mysterious contents inside while whispering something under her breath. The first jar sounded like a million grains of sand being poured from a broken dial. The next, a massive glob of liquid that made a gelatinous blurb as it fell in whole. A putrid stench crossed Eddie's nostrils as the third jar was poured in. He winced, but managed to remain silent. Finally, he heard the unmistakable sound of bones rattling in a bag as Juliet lifted the last remaining item from the basket, the black cat bones. He thought quickly, Jules, are you sure you want to get rid of those? Aunt Yadoja promised that they bring good luck, and believe me when I say they're not exactly easy to come by, you don't go making new ones. He sounded very respectful, but secretly, Eddie didn't want to see the black cat bones discarded. He had come to believe that they were far too valuable to destroy. And being a cat lover, he certainly wasn't going to go make his own. In fact, he knew there were a couple of things he could use the good luck on, if only he had a mojo. Sensing Juliet's deliberation, he continued his protest. How about this? You can bring them back another time, and I'll come with you. (sighs) Nah, it's now or never, she decided and tossed the bag into the hole quickly. I gotta make my own luck, Eddie, she announced, heaving dirt back into the hole. Eddie knew it was selfish to be disappointed in her decision, but he respected it anyway. Juliet began to say words that sounded like a prayer, and Eddie took a space back to give her some room. Then, Juliet rose to her feet, brushed off her skirt, and pulled her shawl tight. "'Thank you kindly, Eddie,' she said, looking around the graveyard. "'Best we be getting out of here. If you're ever going to run into a bokor, tis the place you're going to find em. As Juliet walked away, Eddie approached Letty's humble plot. Kneeling down, he placed the ghost white cluster of blossoms on the fresh mound. The black cat bones were right beneath his fingertips— he wanted nothing more than to snatch them up in the dark and put them in his pocket before juliet ever noticed a thing but he fought the urge out of respect and love for juliet now halfway across the burial yard Gaslights in this part of town were not as plentiful as they were in the so-called nicer neighborhoods giving gallows hill a desolate feel a half block away they could hear the nightlife of shako bottom laughter and music a glass shattered on cobblestones Do you feel better? He asked as they walked home. Juliet smiled as they continued on their way. As a matter of fact, I do. Thanks for listening to another episode of Evermore Poe. Let's talk about the choice of words today. In an effort to remain historically accurate, the cemetery in today's episode is so called As It Was in 1822, then known as the Burial Ground for Negroes. Now, this has been found on a number of maps, including those from 1809 and 1816. Today, that cemetery is called the African Burial Ground. That's a lot more comfortable to say. And you'll find it located at 15th and East Broad Streets in the historic Chaco Bottom neighborhood of Richmond. Now, according to RichmondCemeteries.org, the cemetery is very old. It was active from 1750 all the the way through 1816. Today, the African Burial Ground is notable for being Richmond's very first municipal cemetery and for being the site of the city gallows, as we mentioned in today's story, where many of the members of the slave revolt, known as Gabriel's Rebellion of 1800, were hanged. Now, it should be noted, in recent years, that cemetery was saved more than once. It was meant to be part of the freeway, and again, it was meant to go to auction. Except for the efforts of one woman, we thank Lenora McQueen for her efforts in the campaign. Currently, the African Burial Ground is one of Richmond's historic spots. That's all for today's show, my friends. I look forward to bringing you more Evermore Poe tomorrow. Until then, take care.